Yeah, I was surprised it was kind of slick on the way to church there. I, I uh, had to practice my race car driving skills. <laughs> a little counter steering, a <laughs> little uh, fright, I don't know, but uh, thank the Lord we're here. And uh, just want to uh, thank Brother Frankie for being willing to do the verse last week. I know he was sick, but uh, you know, just uh, having a willing heart and a willing spirit, it means so much. But uh, Brother Tony, he is uh, exceptional at, uh, well, I say he's exceptional, it's just a matter of knowing the Word of God, that he can fill in like, like he does and, and do such a, a good job, and that, you know, that we have a benefit of that. So I'm grateful there. But if you have your Bibles, open up to 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 2, and we're talking about a walk with God this month. Walking with God. And in uh, 1 Kings chapter 2, we have David's, uh, King David's charge to his son Solomon. These are uh, uh, some of the last things, that, last recorded things that David uh, had to say before he passed away. And uh, as you know, you know, last words, they, they hold a significance. I think they reveal a man somewhat. Um, I remember uh, P.T. Barnum. Barnum Bailey fame, his last words were, what were the receipts at the gate? You know, that tells you where his heart was. But here we have David's charge to Solomon. And I want to read the first four verses, if I may. The Bible says in chapter 2 of 1 Kings, it says, Now the days of David drew nigh that he should die. And he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man, and keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest, and whithersoever thou turnest thyself, that the Lord may continue his word which he spake concerning me, saying, if thy children take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail thee, said he, a man on the throne of Israel. You know, I want to um, kind of go a hair bit off subject here, but uh, I, I want to uh, look at these last words of David, this charge to his son. If you would... Uh, turn over with me to First Chronicles, First Chronicles chapter 28. In First Chronicles chapter 28, we have David speaking to the, the children of Israel, and then uh, later on here in verse 9 and 10, he's speaking, I think, personally to his son Solomon. And he says, And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. And I'll stop right there. You know, David says, know thou the God of my father. And I, I had in mind fathers and, and grandfathers. And, and really the, the idea of any of us that are, that are influencers on those of another generation and, and uh, our, our ability to influence them. And I want to just point out a couple things that David did to influence his son Solomon. You know, he said, know thou therefore, what? The God of thy father. Somebody that David knew personally. 
You know, I want to encourage you in your personal walk with the Lord as an example to those that come after you. David's not talking about somebody he's heard about. He's not talking about somebody that uh, he's faking knowing. You know, uh, a lot of times people like to claim association with famous people when it's not really that close. You know, I could say I knew Sam Walton. Well, I walked by him in the airport one day, <laughs> shook his hand. You know, I just, I just knew what he looked like, that's all. I didn't know Sam Walton. But not David. David, the Bible said, God's commentary was, a man after my own heart. David was a man that knew God. And he encourages Solomon in this. And you know, as a, as a child, Solomon had an opportunity to see his father in action, to see the, the walk of his father. You know, when, when, a, when a parent tells a child to do something, or they give a child advice, oftentimes the, the child will will predicate their obedience to that advice on how they see the parent live. How they see the parent live. You know, you tell your son, uh, son, you, you don't, don't swear, and yet you're a man given to swearing. Is your son going to refrain from that? You say, son, you ought not drink, and yet you've got a bottle in the house. Is that something your son's going to refrain from? Probably not. But you know, David had, uh, uh, Solomon rather, had the opportunity to view his father. Now here in chapter 28 of 1 Chronicles, David, to the assembled people of the the house of Israel, David's telling them the, the desires of his heart. He said, I had the desire to build the temple. And you know the story, how that David... Uh, had told Nathan the prophet that I desire to build the temple of God for, for uh, his, his uh, place for, for the tabernacle. And he called it a place for his footstool. And, and uh, Nathan had said, yes, that, that's it. Do all that's in thy heart to do. And that night God spoke to Nathan and said, no, David can't do that. He's a man of blood. He can't do that. And the next day Nathan puts it to, to Solomon or to... Uh, to David and says, no, the Lord's forbade that. How did David take it? You know, I want I wonder what your children think of you when, when you face something that's out of your desire. You know, we, sometimes we have the impression that if we do right, we act right, and we uh, obey all these things, that we'll, that, 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 uh, we'll get to do what we want to do because, oh, we say that God will give us the desires of our heart. Well, you understand that God will make the desires of your heart the same as his. And David's desire wasn't bad, but it wasn't God's will. But yet it was still his desire. How do you handle that when, you know, that desire for maybe a promotion isn't given? That desire for uh, a business deal falls through? That desire for a relationship doesn't materialize? You know, sometimes I think the character of a man is, is more revealed in when he doesn't get the his desires than when he does. How did David handle that? You know what David did? He didn't dwell on what God had told him no about. David looked to what God opened the door and allowed him to do. That's what Solomon saw from David, his father. That submitting yourselves to the desires. You know, David must have been kind of crushed. You think about it, David had fought the, the battle for the children of Israel and for the Lord for 15 years. Every stroke of his sword, you know, was, was for the cause of Christ, for the cause of God. And yet, God said no. And Solomon saw how his father handled that. Think of the, the lesson that he learned. Just let it go sometimes. Just let it go. 
and David being grateful for the will. And then back here in 1 Kings, I think about what David wrote. He said, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. Solomon, you know, the root word uh, Solomon is rooted in the word shalom. It means peace. David was a warrior. David was a man that knew war. But David knew Solomon, his son, wasn't that way. But he said, show thyself a man. And how did he expect him to do it? He said, and keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways. Keep the charge to, to know God's will, to walk in his ways, to walk in the steps of God. He said to, to keep his statutes, to know God's mind. And how is he to do that? In his judgments and his testimonies, as it is what? Written in the law of Moses. You know, if you were to turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 17, God gives a charge in Deuteronomy chapter 17, the second half of the chapter. He tells them that one day you're going to want a king. And he said that, that when, when you choose a king, he said, this is what I want that king to do. He said, I want that king to make a, his own copy of the word of God. He was to copy the, the uh, first five books of the Bible, I guess, that they had then, to make his own personal copy and that he was to spend time in it, that he was not to depart from it. You know what? He was to understand and to know and be versed and, and have the will of God as his will because he knew the word of God. You know, the word of God's not divorced from the character of God. Have you ever thought about that? I was listening to a sermon this week and that he brought up the fact that not only did God say, call his word the word of God, but he called his son that living Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus, the Word of God. His character was not divorced from the Word of God. That's why it's, it's perfect. Its laws are, are right and just. And he said, I don't want you to depart from it. And then David goes on and he explains there to, to Solomon. He said, he, he, he mentions two men down here that Solomon needs to have a care for. Joab and Shimei. And you know what I think he's doing? I, I thought a lot about this because I, I started off with another theme. I think he's pointing out to Solomon the consequences in his life of departing from the word of God. Joab, a thorn in his side. When, when did that happen? When Probably when David sinned. When, when David said, hey, we got to get rid of Uriah. And Joab, if I'd been Joab, I'd have kept that letter too, probably. You know, Joab was a conniver. Shimei, a man that, when did he approach David? When David's at a low point. Really, I think it's another point of sin in David's life when he didn't bring Absalom, his son, back into his council. He kept Absalom away, and Absalom rebelled. And here comes old Shimei. And David says, Solomon, he said, these are the consequences of departing from the word of God. Departing from the word of God. And finally, I was thinking back here and again in 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles. I was thinking about David's direction to Solomon to be committed be committed to this calling of the Lord. And he tells, tells David 
that, or David tells his son, he gives him direction. He gives him direction here. He says in verse 9, he says, Take heed now, for the Lord hath chosen thee to build a house for the sanctuary. And he says, Be strong. In other words, no wavering. No wavering. You know, sometimes we, we, we know God's will. We understand God's will. And you know what we do? We waver from God's will. I was thinking about that bus, bus, bus visitation this weekend. Saturday, you know? And I thought, Saturday at 10, we're going to be there. We're going to be there. But you know, the closer it gets to Saturday, I'm thinking, all these things I got to do, I got one day a week, one day a week. But what's the will of God? I'll tell you this, uh, I like to work. I still do. I, I like to earn a, a, I'm thankful to be able to work. But one time when work was slow, they, they cut us a day a week. And I could only work four days a week. And I thought, oh, this is going to be terrible. You know, I'm going to be down a fifth of my earnings. It's just awful. But you know, the Lord provided a run that had Thursday off. You know what Thursday night was? It was visitation night. You know, that was the sweetest time, uh, uh, probably one of the greatest times of growth in my spiritual life. And it's just a matter of not wavering and being obedient. You know, David left, he left a legacy to his son, a legacy that his son could follow. As I look at you as grandparents and parents, or maybe parents-to-be, I wonder what's, what's our legacy to be. You know, Art Linkletter had a show years ago, ran through the mid-60s, called Kids Say the Darndest Things. And one of those shows, they'd given paper and crayons to the young kids there, and the kids were coloring away. And he looked over one kid's shoulder, and he said, What are you drawing there, son? He said... I'm drawing a picture of God. Art Linkletter looked at the boy and he said, Son, nobody knows what God looks like. The boy didn't even look up. He said, They will when I'm done. <laughs> you know? I wonder when people take a look at the end of our life, will they have an idea of what God may look like? Brother Dale makes that hard to follow. <laughs> Thank you, brother. I'll tell you, I've never paid any attention to that verse in First Chronicles 28. But if that's not convicting, I said there to myself, And thou, Cody, my son, know thou the God of thy father. What is that God? Do I want him to know? Or do I want him to know Really, God, I should be able to say, like David said, know my God. Uh, that's good. It was really good. I want to thank everyone for the card and the kind words uh, that everybody said. Yeah, I know they're not true, but uh, I think, hey, it really does something for your uh, ego. You know, it's good. I thank God for it.
And uh, I just thank God for the Sunday school class. I pray every week, Lord, let me be at my best for your glory. Uh, that's what I want to be. Uh, I know I'm not qualified, uh, but I know the Lord's called me to teach, and uh, I want to teach. And I, I want to do my best, not for me, not to be, me to be heard, but I want it for the Lord's glory, uh, for my good and his glory. But, uh, thank everybody for the card. Before we begin today, we'll take some prayer requests. Uh, anybody on this side over here this morning have any special... Daphne? I go to court on supposedly, hopefully, on Thursday at 10 o'clock. Okay. Be praying for Daphne. She's had her uh, court date canceled once so far. But, uh, supposed to go to court this Thursday. Uh, so just be praying for that situation. Stephanie goes on Thursday. Uh, anybody else? Uh, Stephanie? Um, just pray for my mom. She's had um, some skin cancer taken off of her eye, and it's the third time that they cut into her eye, and this time she looks like a, she's been in a big fight. Yeah. has ten stitches going across her, right under her eye, pulling her eyelid down and things. But if you just pray that all that works out good. Amen. Be praying for Stephanie's mom, Alice. She's had this skin cancer taken off this the third time. And uh, just be praying that all heals and it doesn't come back. So just be praying for Alice. Uh, Cindy? Praying for the situation there with Cindy with the high risk probability of cancer on her thyroid. And uh, just be praying as she meets with the surgeon uh, to probably remove that. And uh, just be praying for that situation uh, there. Anybody else over here? Russ? Amen. Thank the Lord for his goodness. Amen. Good to see Brother Russ here this morning, last Wednesday night. <clears throat> and continue to pray for Chloe. Uh, I pray that you do. And Mom and Dad, uh, difficult. Uh, you know, it's, it's an everyday battle. And, uh, just be praying for them, for Chloe. And Penny's got a little cousin uh, named Sebastian. And uh, it's pitiful. Uh, he's really in a bad way. Uh, so just be praying for these little ones that are suffering and uh, the families that suffer along with it. So just be praying for them. Anybody else? Donna, did you have your... Just continue to believe the kids and I. Amen. Amen. Continue to be praying for Donna. I'm glad to see her here this morning. Be praying for the boys. And, uh, and the loss of Bill. Just be praying for them. And then there's... Other families we know that have lost loved ones, and they would be praying for them. God will just show them His grace. Uh, Donna? Man, be praying for all of our missionaries, those in particular, the Whites and the Berdines that uh, Donna has adopted. And, uh, 
You know, they go through a lot of struggles. Uh, unless we've become more familiar with them as we have, and I thank the preacher, I thank the Lord for that. Uh, it's caused us to get more familiar with our missionaries and uh, to see the struggles that they go through. And uh, just be praying for all of them. Anybody else on this side? Anybody on this side this morning? Preacher? be praying for Robin as the procedure being done on Wednesday. be praying for her. praying for Penny. She's sick. Uh, anybody else? Uh, Rick? Unspoken requests? Uh, anyone else? Gail? Okay, be praying for Trent's father-in-law. Let's be praying for that situation. For Chrissy's family, uh, John's wife, uh, found, did you say it was a nephew? Found a nephew dead yesterday. Just be praying for that family. Anyone else before we pray? Another request. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I thank you for the day. Father, I thank you for the blessings, the blessingfuls, Lord, that have already been ours today already. Father, I thank you for the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that challenges us from your precious word. Lord, I thank you, Father, that we're dead in Christ. Father, I thank you that we've been raised to live a new life because we have a new nature. We're a new man. And Father, I thank you for the power that we have. Lord, that we don't have to live a life of sin. Father, the power has been given by the Holy Spirit because we've been baptized into the body of Christ. Lord, that it doesn't have to rain in our body. Lord, now I know we, there are two in our body, that old man and the new man. Father, there's warfare. Lord, I'm so thankful this morning that the new man doesn't want the things of the world doesn't want that life. And Father, because of that, we have the power to resist. Lord, to choose the things, choose godly living. And Father, I thank you for that this morning. Lord, may this be a year that we look back on and we say that was the time that daily I died to self. I died to that old Adamic nature they wanted to reign supreme. And I let the Lord Jesus' life reign in my life. Father, help us all to desire that. Lord, help me to desire that from here on out. I thank you for what we've already heard. Lord, and help us to be that influence and that example <clears throat> that we need to be for our children those around us, our grandchildren, 
Father, we're going to influence them one way or the other. Lord, help us to do it the right way. Lord, we've heard requests this morning that we need you to intervene in. Father, I think of Daphne as she goes to court on Thursday. Father, I'm asking that you just work there in that situation, that you intervene, help. Lord, just give wisdom. Father, meet every need there. Lord, I think of Stephanie's mom this morning that has had this recurring skin cancer there under her eye. Father, this is the third time that they've removed it. and Father, even more severe this time. Lord, I pray, God, that uh, it'll take care of it this time. That will be it. Lord, you'll just help her to heal. Father, I thank you for Russ being here this morning. Lord, I thank you for raising him up. Father, we give you the glory. Lord, I think of Cindy. Father, as she has been given this news that there is a high probability of cancer in her thyroid. Lord, as she meets with the surgeon, give him wisdom, Lord, as to know uh, just exactly if it needs to be removed and taken out. And just be with that situation. Father, we ask you just to prove yourself mighty. Lord, I think of Chloe this morning. Father, in the the battle that she faces every day, seeming, I'm sure, unending to her. Lord, I ask you to raise her up. Father, I ask you just to ease the pain. Father, the uh, these treatments, Lord, how they just destroy the body and, and tear it down. Father, just help her to Lord, to remain healthy enough to continue the treatments and keep the uh, infections away and upper blood counts to say as they need to be. Lord, I think of Sebastian, this little boy, Father, that you'll just be with him. Lord, your perfect will will be done and give the doctors wisdom there as they uh, seek, uh, Lord, things to do to, to help. Father, just be with that situation. Lord, I pray for Donna this morning. Father and the boys. Lord, that you'll just comfort them and give them your grace, your peace, passeth all understanding. Lord, just help them. Encourage them. Help us to be an encouragement to them. Father, other ones, Lord, uh, that we know that have lost loved ones here recently, Lord, that are heartbroken, Father, just be with them. Lord, I think of Robin that will be having this procedure done this week. Lord, I just pray that you'll guide the doctors there and work in that situation. And Father, for Brother Rick's unspoken requests, Lord, you know the needs and you know the burdens. Lord, we all have things that only you and us know about. And Father, I pray that you'll work, Lord, in each situation and Father, we think of Gail's request for Trent's father-in-law. Lord, we just pray for him. Father, you'll be having surgery. Lord, and then for Christie's family. Lord, the death of her nephew. Father, so much around the world. Lord, I thank for missionaries that are in, in battles. Lord, uh, in so many different cultures. Lord, so far from home. So 
It's just so different. Lord, and the devil uses these things to discourage them. Father, I pray that you'll help us to, to do our due diligence and pray for them every day. Lift them up before you. Father, the ones that we've adopted and then those that we know of, Lord, that are serving you. Father, work. Lord, may we just uh, hear of great things being done. And Father, I need your help. Lord, I want to be clear. Lord, I want to be filled with the Spirit of God. Lord, I want to say the things that need to be said. And Father, I pray that you'll just open our eyes. Lord, as we open your word, Father, my desire from from my light, from me, is to be able to meet you in the Word of God. Lord, I want to meet you this morning. Father, not just gain some wisdom or knowledge, but Lord, I want to meet you. And Father, I pray that that's all of our desires. And Lord, I pray that you'll bless the preaching to come. Father, just give power, give wisdom, uh, give freedom of the Holy Spirit to move. And Lord, as he moves in our life, Father, help us to yield and to submit, uh, Lord, that you can work. And Father, we'll give you the praise for all that's done today. For it's in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Take your Bible and go back to the book of Romans. We've been gone for a few weeks. In Romans chapter 6. Between chapter 5 and chapter 6, there's really uh, no literary break. Paul's begun an argument in chapter 5 that he continues right on in chapter 6. And uh, chapter 6 is so full. And it's things that uh, if you and I are going to live a victorious Christian life, it's some things in chapter 6 that we really need to get a grasp of and get a hold of. And that's being dead. When Christ died on the cross, we died with him. We died in him. Just It's the same picture and the same principle as when Adam sinned in the garden. We were in Adam. Therefore, we're sinners. It's the same, it's the same thing. If you can grasp that and understand that, and that's pretty easy for me to understand that Adam is the figure of all of humanity. He sinned and we were in Adam. We were all in Adam. When the Lord Jesus Christ went to Calvary, got the victory, we died in Him. And not only did we die in Him, but when He arose, we arose with Him. To walk in a new life. It, it, it's so much here. Just in these, and we're not going to get any further than the first four verses. Uh, but it's important to remember that when God looks at all of humanity, He sees mankind in relationship to only two men. Only two men. He sees us in relationship with Adam and with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you can't help being born in Adam. You can't help that. We were all born in Adam. But can I tell you something? You can help stain in Adam. You can help stain there. 
That's why Jesus told Nicodemus, what did he say? You must be born again. Born from above. That new birth. To be born in Christ. That's the only way that you and I can live a victorious life. Is to allow that to consume me. To allow that to fill me. To grasp it. You know, so often I think it's sort of like the argument that there in verse 20 of chapter 5. He says, moreover the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Thank God for that. You know, grace is eternal. Grace never had a starting point. Grace is eternal. It even says there, hey, listen, the law entered. The law's not eternal. Look at that verse. I underlined that. I've seen that this past week. Moreover, the law entered. It's not always been. It wasn't eternal. That the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. You go on down to verse 21. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign. How long is grace going to reign? Through righteousness unto eternal. Eternal life. God showed grace Adam and Eve all the way back in the Garden of Eden. God demonstrated His grace to them. But an argument has begun in chapter 5 and verse 20. When you get to chapter 6 and verse 1, Paul says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? It's almost like folks have the idea, and I think a lot of people do. Well, if grace abounds where sin is, then we ought to sin much more so that grace can abound even more. That's what Paul's saying here. People's got their, he's raising up that argument. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. God forbid. Ignorance. Ignorance is often the key factor in hindering us from living a victorious life. You look down at verse 3, Paul says, No, you're not. In other words, are you ignorant? Ignorance hinders us. These people were ignorant of the fact that our security in Christ should never cause us to have the mindset that we can live as we want to live. Just the contrary. It should do just the contrary to that. But he says in verse 1, and we're going to read the first four verses. I've gotten ahead of myself. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin 
live any longer therein. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. The reality of our death in Christ. Nothing, when you think about it, these first four verses, there's nothing in this world that can be more unresponsive than a dead person. Nothing. It makes no difference what you do, what you say. You can't evoke a response from a dead person. They're dead. It's impossible. No matter what you do, And according to verse 11, God reckons. Look at that verse 11. Verse 11. I get back on the right page. It says, Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. As soon as a person dies, that person loses all desires that they once had. When a person dies, they lose all the desires that they once had. You take a a drunkard, a man that has been an alcoholic his entire life. When he dies... That dies. That dies. There is no desire for that man to have another drink. When a drug addict dies, there is no desire anymore for the drug that had consumed them. They're dead to it. The Apostle Paul is trying to get these believers here at Rome, to understand that there's the reality of their death in Christ. It's a reality. We need to make that a reality in our life because if we don't, that old nature is just going to keep on winning. It's going to keep on directing our path. But you see, because of us being dead in Christ, we now have power. We didn't have power before to resist. But by being in Christ, by being dead in Christ, when He died on the cross, we died in Him. And that gave us power. That gave us a new nature. We became a new man. All these things. And that's where the victory comes from. And only where the victory can come from is when you you and I can grasp the fact that just like a dead person, so is a Christian. 
were dead. Paul said what? I die daily. I die daily. I crucify that old flesh. Listen, it's not a once and done thing. It's not a once and done. We battle it and you and I will battle that old Adamic nature. Don't don't misunderstand me here. There is no such a thing as the eradication of the flesh. There is. That's heresy. Look, just, hey, think about your own life. you'll, You'll see. You battle that every day. It's not going away. Listen, that old flesh, I don't care when you accept Christ as your Savior, that old flesh still wants what it wants. It wants what it always wanted. It wants to be king. It wants all the sinful things. But the thing of it is now, I have a nature inside of me because of salvation that wants nothing to do with that. It wants no part of that. It wants no part of listening to anything evil. It wants no part of seeing anything evil. It wants no part of doing anything evil. Why? Because we're dead. We have a new nature. Now, yes, we're going to fight that old nature till the day that our physical body dies. That's how long we're going to deal with it. Until we die. But I don't have to serve it. I shouldn't serve it. There's no reason for me to serve it. But it all depends on me accepting the reality that I am dead in Christ. Listen, I have victory. I can resist that. That new nature helps us to resist the devil. And when we resist, the Bible says that he flees from us. We have the power. You know, we've been delivered from the penalty of sin through salvation. But not only have we been delivered from the penalty of sin, you and I have been delivered from the power of sin. It doesn't have to reign in my body. I allow it to at times. I allow it to take control and do things that the Spirit of God convicts me about and says, that was entirely wrong. You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have been a part of that. You shouldn't have thought that. That new nature gives victory. When we placed our faith in the Lord for salvation, according to this verse, we died to sin. Don't get misunderstand what it's saying. That old nature is still there. But now it's the power. We've been given the power to resist it, to live in that lifestyle. There's a new man living in these physical bodies. And guess what? He's dead to sin. Wants no part of that. Thank God. Thank God for that. Not only do we need to grasp the reality that you and I are dead to sin, we need to realize our position. You and I have been given a position. We need to realize our position. Look in verses 3 and 4. 
He says, know ye not, in verse 3, that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. The moment we accepted Christ, we were baptized into the family of God. I don't believe this is picturing water baptism. I think this is talking about being baptized into the body of Christ, baptized by the Spirit of God. But you know, even if it was, what does baptism, water baptism picture? Buried to that old way, raised to walk in newness of life. Being dead, dead to sin, raised to walk in that newness of life. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13 tells us about being baptized by the Spirit of God. Listen to verse, 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says this. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, And have been all made to drink into one spirit. The moment of salvation, the spirit of God comes to indwell the believer. You and I are baptized into the body of Christ. Paul goes on to say here in verse 3 that we were baptized into his death. When Jesus died on the cross, and I know this is sometimes the miracle of this, is sometimes it's hard to grasp, but when Jesus died on the cross, all of those that have put their faith and trust in him died in him. We died in him. That's what this verse is saying. That you and I died in him. We died also. That's why you and I can have the victory over sin in our lives. The child of God is dead. But why do we have so much trouble with it then? Why do believers have so much trouble? We simply don't accept the fact. We simply don't accept the fact. We don't, as Paul said there in verse 11... We don't reckon it. Listen, that's an accounting term. It means to calculate. Calculate the evidence, he said. Read the word of God. Calculate the evidence of it. And accept it. That's our position. We're dead in Christ. But not only did we die in Christ on the cross, when he arose, we arose. We arose with him. To walk as he walked. To walk in newness of life. Who is our greatest example? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, the Apostle Paul's a great example, but he's not my example to follow. He's an influence that I, that I could follow my pattern my life after. But my example is the Lord Jesus Christ. To walk as he walked. To, when he was raised from the dead, 
I was raised up with him to walk in newness of life. Not only realize our position, but to realize the power to walk in newness of life. Verse 4, the latter part of verse 4, says this, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of, of the Father, even so we also should walk. Listen to that. Even so, even so we also should walk in newness of life. It's new to us. That old man doesn't rule anymore. When I accepted Christ is my Savior, my path changed from this direction to this direction. And I've been given the power to walk in a new life. Through the Lord Jesus Christ's resurrection, we died in Him and we arose in Him. Just like we were in Adam when Adam sinned in the garden, we were there, we were in Adam. When Christ died on the cross, and we made that decision for a new birth to accept what he done, we died in him and we arose in him. That's why he told Nicodemus that he needed to be born again. You and I should be walking in a new manner. You know, often, I know the Christian life is the life of growth. It's a life of growth. We shouldn't expect someone that's just been born again to be mature. There is steps to take. There's a, it's a faith life. And as we walk with God, our faith is increased. But there is a new life that we walk. There's a new manner of life. Our life after Jesus needs to be vastly different. It should be vastly different from what it was before Jesus. If not, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Why? I wrote down three things here. Why should it be different? I've received a new nature. That makes me different. Not only have I received a new nature, 2 Peter 2.4, but I've been made a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says what? For old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I've been made a new creature. We're made a new man. Colossians 1, 1 through 10. Colossians 3, 1 through 16 or 17. We just looked at it last week. Put off these things. Put on these things. These things should now be present in our life. When we got saved, listen, my body became the house of two natures. So did yours. My body became the house of two natures. Both desiring to be king. Both of them do. The old flesh still wants to be king. It wants to rule. It wants what it always wanted. It wants things of the world. But you see, I have a new nature that wants to be king. There's that battlefield that goes on every day. It doesn't, it doesn't end when we... There's no reaching a point to that doesn't end. There's no arriving 
That battle, Paul fought that battle every day. I fight that battle every day. So do you. And that we give in to it. And we allow, we hurt the Lord. And we allow the devil to win. But we don't have to. Because you see, that new nature wants nothing to do with any of that. And when I submit and yield to the new nature, I don't have to do the things that the old nature wanted. Since we're dead, what are we supposed to do? Since I'm dead, what am I supposed to do? I asked myself this question here. I wrote down, since I'm a dead man, what am I supposed to do? I'm just supposed to yield. I'm supposed to yield. I'm supposed to yield to the Spirit and allow Him to live God's life through me. To live God's life through me. The choice is mine. What will I do? The choice is yours. We're dead in Christ, just like that we were in Adam. When we accept Christ as Savior, we are in Him. We're buried with Him and we're raised with Him. And when we were raised with Him, we were raised to walk in newness of life. A new life. A different life. Not a life given where the members of our body are given over to the things of the flesh. We've been given victory. Look at the rest of chapter 6. We'll be here for a few weeks in chapter 6.